praise you, Father. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you, the, thank you for the privilege that we have of celebrating Pentecost Sunday. We are Holy Ghost people. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We thank you, Father God. We believe in signs and wonders. We thank you, Father God, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And I thank you, Jesus, that you said in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy, but you came to give life and life more abundantly. So, Lord, I pray over this service this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing that has already destroyed every yoke of bondage. We just give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what the Lord said today. This is a time when believers must gather together for the time is coming if they have made no effort to come and hear the word, they will, be not, they will not be prepared for what is about to take place. We, ne we cannot become complacent in this hour. Many will be caught off guard and not have the word built in them to be overcomers in their situation. This is the time to know that you are covered and prepared for anything. I'm going to read this again because I thought when he started sharing this, I thought, wow, because there are many falling away in this hour. There are many in this hour that when you talk to them, there's no, they don't share Jesus. And so this is the time when believers must gather together. You know, it says, forsake not the assembling, even so much more as I we see the evil day approaching. For the time is coming if they have made no effort to come and hear the word, they will not be prepared for what is about to take place. We cannot become complacent in this hour. Many will be caught off guard and will not have the word built in them to be overcomers in the situation. This is the time to know you are covered and prepared for anything. Hallelujah. I shared a, a scripture this morning that Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, when you look up the word abased and abound, um, just that word abased, and I'm, I'm, I want to go ahead and look that up really quick. I believe it's in Philippians 4, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he, he goes through. Let's go ahead and read Philippians 4 for a minute. It's amazing, you know, people in this hour just kind of go along, la, 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 la. Same old, same old. You know, it's, nothing's ever going to happen, you know. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is going to happen. It is happening already. Therefore, my brethren, I'm starting with verse 1, Dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Herodias and beseech Cynthia that they be the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help these women which labored with me in the gospel with Clementin, Clement also with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. 
Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. We're in a time and an hour where we have got to take Philippians 4, 8 and live by it. Guard your thought life. Guard what you're thinking on. Line it up with the word. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. So he's saying the things which you've both learned. You know, you can learn something but not receive it. He says you have to learn it. You've got to receive it. And hear it and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again wherein if you also if you were also careful but you lacked opportunity not that I speak in respect of want for I've learned to I've learned in whatsoever state I am there without therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I, this is what he says. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. He meant everywhere. Whether he was in church, whether he was at work, no matter where he was, he knew how to be abased and he knew how to abound. Okay, everywhere, whatever, whatever situation he was in, he learned how to do this. Hallelujah. Um, Let's go on. Let's see. I've got to find it again. Therefore, whatever state I am, therefore, to be content. Content. Contentment is something that you do not find in this hour. Very few people are contented in whatever situation and circumstance they're in, which is sad because here Paul is telling us how to operate in the things of God. Amen? Okay, let's see. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Thank God I can do all things. I want to look up the word abased and see what he's talking about here. I know I've taught on this before, but I'm going to tell you in the next coming months, people are going to be caught off guard because they've not found it uh, important to take the word of God and stand on it. They've not found it important to do the things that Paul is talking about here and to get, watch what they're thinking on, watch what they're, watch watch where your thoughts are going. And so, um, let me look this up a minute. This scripture stood out to me several, oh gosh, years and years ago because I was having a hard time being a base, being in the base part. Right? I should have had someone looking this up for me. Pardon? Sure. You better grab a mic. Um, the word abased and the word abound in Greek. I don't know what they are off, to, off the top of my head. But they actually speak of a feeding trough. It's pulled from an agricultural term. And what it means is a base means that the feeding trough is empty. So the animal goes to the, to the feeding trough. There's nothing there. 
So he mills around and wanders around and doesn't quite know what to do. A bound is just exactly the opposite. The animal goes to the feeding trough, and there's so much there that it's, it's a bigger supply than what he could possibly partake of, eat, or whatever. So what Paul's talking about, and it actually brings it out in the Amplified, is that I know how to live when there's nothing. And when you're reading this whole thing, it's talking about you know, the supply that people are bringing in, you know, giving into him. It's the gifts that they're giving. He knows how to, to do without and be, still be satisfied. And he knows how to have plenty and have too much. You know, that's the opposite problem for, for many people. You know, some people really get down when there's nothing. Yep. And some people really overdo it when there's a lot, when there's a big supply. And so that's exactly what he's talking about here, um, you know, from the Greek. So. That's, that's very good. Um, and that is the truth. I'm not even going to read what's in here because it's the same thing. That is the truth because people get, get so used to something that when, when, when it all falls, they can't deal with it. They can't deal with it. And things are, things are about to take place around us that we have got to be, stay steady in the Lord. And in the power of his might, this is the, this is the time, this is the hour that all those people that went on before us desired and wished to be in. That's amazing to think of that, but it, but it is. And we have to learn, you know, many people are stocking money in the bank. Well, what if it wasn't there one day? We're going to have to learn to live by faith. Not, not by things, but by faith. Will God bless you? Yes. Will he prosper you? Yes. He'll prosper you just in every, in every circumstance and situation. If you are doing what the word of God says to do, we're, we're teaching on, or uh, George Pearson, the early class, is teaching on prosperity. That is a part of our covenant. But if we do not know the word of God, if we are not sensitive to the word of God in this hour, then when God says go this way or go that way, you will not, you cannot be in the right place and in the right position where God will send that person. He said, I, that men shall give in to your bosom. And so we have to be so sensitive to the spirit in this hour to where we know what to do, what to say, what to expect, and be very careful that we listen to the Spirit of God so we'll be in the right place at the right time when the blessing is falling. Hallelujah. The children of Israel, like, like we said earlier, the quail was dropping, and they, some commentators, like, like Dan said, it was three foot deep. And um, that's a lot of quail dropping out of the sky. Like I said earlier, God knows if he can drop quail, then he can drop gold. If he can, whatever. Whatever is your need, he can drop it. But we that are expecting, we that are preparing, we that are building ourselves up in the word can expect to receive the blessing. Can expect it. We cannot become slothful in any area or aspect of our life. It, this is not the time to play that game. So that's what God wanted me to share this morning. Ushers, if you'll prepare, we're also going to receive, I shared that we were going to be receiving a special offering. And that gets starts. Life is fragile. Life is fragile. Handle with prayer. Life is fragile. Handle with prayer. Okay, Shorty took the fire out of what I got started with. I, I was going to ask uh, today's 50 days after Resurrection Sunday, what is it? And it's the day of Pentecost. Okay, starting with Acts chapter 2. On that day, the Holy Spirit came down to the earth to give power to the believers, to the church. Amen? What a blessing. We have been given the person of the Holy Spirit. So turn with me to 
1 Corinthians chapter 6. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And if you have not highlighted or underlined it, you need to. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, looking at verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. So, you are in, the believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Amen. To live in this time without Jesus or the Holy Spirit is frightening as you look at what's going on. It's certainly a blessing to be a child of God, to be loved by God, to be cared by God, to be protected by God, to be guided by God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So we'll get started with this uh, sermon. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. That's Matthew chapter 7. That's Matthew chapter 7, and you, we will start with verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, Jesus is speaking, and doest them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the, rock, uh, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon the rock. And everyone that heareth these things of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Wow. Okay, this parable that we just read illustrates that storms are not optional. They will come into our lives. Christians and non-Christians both battle storms. Amen. One, however, is prepared. The one who acts on God's word. Okay. By focusing on God and his promises, you can prepare for the future no matter what it may be. So we don't know what our future is, but we know what God's word says. We are found on the rock. Amen. That goes along with what the Lord said. I have not read these notes yet. I know you so, haven't. So I praise God. Um, you have an opportunity to reset your thinking, to be transformed and not conform to this world. Of course, we find that in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, verse actually verses 2. The world will always be changing. God changes not. His principles work. Glory to God. They are valid and they are time tested. Glory to God. Now I'm going to give you three statements and you're going to find this uh, throughout what we're going to be speaking on and throughout your life. Statement number one, nothing can turn God's power to effective except prayer. Nothing can change God's power to affect anything except prayer. Two, no one can be an overcomer without being a prayer warrior. You look at all the men and women and the word of God that were Overcomers, you found out they prayed. Three, not only, must, not only must we learn to pray, we must know what the victory is. When you pray, you have to know what the victory is. Okay. The Bible reveals close, a close relationship between prayer, fasting, and accountability. Prayer, fasting, and accountability. There's a close relationship with it. Prayer is de a desiring for God. Fasting is a denying of self. 
Authority is the power of faith. One more time. Prayer is the desire after God. Fasting is the denying of self. And authority is the power of faith. Glory to God. So your third one was authority, then not ability. You said ability, Did but you meant authority. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's authority. Okay. Okay. So prayer is not a light matter to God. Jesus proved this time and time again. He went off to pray. He went off to pray. He went off to pray. So it's not a light matter. We need to pray, okay? Ephesians, now let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll start to get into this. It's Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18. Praying always. With all Amen. prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So it's praying. Praying. And we see here also watching. Praying and watching. Wow. Prayer needs to be, preem be the preeminent thing or focus in our life. I mean, it's God, but prayer is what get you to God, okay? Christians usually are enthusiastic about Bible studies or special meetings. Man, I'm going to get to this meeting. Or maybe they've got uh, a choir singing. I mean, you know, man, are you going to go there? Yeah, I'm going to go there. Are you going to see you there? But when it comes to prayer meetings, <laughs> There is not much attendance. It's minimal attendance. Um, prayer is, is treated as an afterthought. I don't know about you guys, but that's, oftentimes that's where I'm at. Prayer is an afterthought. It's the last thing that will hit me before I... So I'm glad all of you are such good, pious people out there. <laughs> Everything is put before prayer while prayer is regulated to the last place. And we can put a big oops or oh me there. If we fail in our prayer life, you can write this one down. This would be a good nugget. If we fail in our prayer life, we fail at everything. It's true. Again, looking at the, the, the saints in the Bible, those that prayed had success. Those that did not pray, you don't hear anything about. I mean, you see their name, but nothing else takes care. We must awaken to the importance of prayer. Two weeks ago, the very beginning, we had the National Day of Prayer. We started prayer, so we need to awaken to a prayer. And when you want to pray, you're, you will be attacked by the enemy. Unexpectedly, un unforeseenable events will come into your life. And suddenly, they come to hinder your prayer time. Yes. You know, it's really sad because when you get out of the habit of praying, I've seen people get out of the habit of praying, it's hard to get back in. Because prayer is something that should be habitual. You know, like reading your Bible. A lot of people are hearing the Word. But if, you, if you're reading the Bible and hearing the Word and you're not praying, you're not going to be effective and you can get off. You can get goofy. And that root, I'll be honest with you, people that stop praying end up with a root of bitterness very easily. Because it, 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 that prayer... The Bible, especially when you pray in tongues, the Bible says the spirit knoweth your infirmities, and that is your body frailties and mind weaknesses. And if he can get you to quit praying, then your body frailties and mind weaknesses are not being dealt with and taken care of. 
And so you, you tilt. You just tilt and you cannot pull yourself out of a circumstance and a situation with just the word. You've got to have prayer along with it. I'm, I'm being honest. If, if that was so, then Jesus would never have gone off to pray and he would have never said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And in this hour, prayer is one of the most important aspects of a Christian's life. You've got the word in you. It's the prayer that needs to come forth now. Because if you don't pray out the word that's in you, the word will become stagnant. I hate to say that. But when you, begin, when you read the word and you see the word and you get excited, a lot of people say, I'm just not excited about it like I used to be. What's your prayer life like? I ask you, what's your prayer life like? You know, the Bible says, is any afflicted? That word means having problems or, or is there trouble in your life? It says, let him pray. It's in, it's in James. Is any afflicted? Let him pray pray. But you know that's the one thing that the enemy will try to keep you from doing is praying. And I want you to pray because he knows what power is behind prayer. Hallelujah. So I wanted to share that part and I thank you for allowing me to. Okay. The church is not, excuse me, I've got to, because of the, because of what's going on in government People have become discouraged and they're not praying like they, they used to. I'm going to tell you, it happened again when another person was um, in the presidency. The, the Christians became discouraged because there was a lot of sexual things going on in the White House. They became discouraged. They quit praying. And the same thing is happening now is what the Lord is saying. People have become discouraged. They see no hope, and so they've quit praying. You get yourself in that spot, and it's, it's hard to come out of that. It's like getting into a pool, way deep in a pool. If, you, if you're not a great swimmer and trying to get out of that, or out in the ocean and trying to get out of that, and that's where a lot of people are. So I, I pray that the women show up tomorrow night and we, we change some things immediately that need to be changed. Hallelujah. Thank you, dear. Okay, again, the enemy's strategy is to keep us so busy about other things that we neglect prayer. I mean, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get that done pretty soon. We're not praying. We must fight for our prayer time. That's right. We should set apart some definite time for prayer and then this is something I have not really done so it's I'm speaking to myself maybe definite time for prayer uh, here's a uh, quote from Andrew Murray who was a, a great man of God uh, in the I think it's in the 1800s late 1800s he set up uh, orphanages and so forth um, and uh, there's a story that the orphanage they ran out of food but he told it set the table and they had a bunch of you know hungry kids there he says we're going to pray and God's going to come out, come through it came through he did that time and time again and this is what he says those who have no set time for prayer do not pray so we need to have a set time for prayer because otherwise we just kind of put it off okay we need to watch that we get time to pray. Mm -hmm. uh, protect your prayer time from being snatched away by the devil. Because, oh, well, you know, I've got all this other stuff. I'm too busy to do this. You can't do it. We must not only be watchful in keeping the time of prayer, but we must be watchful during the time of prayer. How many are beginning to pray and all of a sudden... You fall asleep. Or you're praying and all of a sudden the doorbell goes off. Or you're praying the kids are making noise. Or you're praying the animals are, or something happens. Your mind is distracted and you lose your prayer. 
So we have, that's why it says, we just read, praying and be, be watchful. We need to be watching that Satan is not stealing our prayer time. Can I read this a minute? The Amplified on this? Go ahead. It says, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season. In every season to me is, there are different seasons that we go through that he's saying pray in every season. In other words, be so accustomed to praying that whatever season it is that you've, you have carved out a time or times and you are praying. You know, I, I'm going to be very blunt and honest, and this is going out into the airways, and I'm aware of it. The Muslims play, pray three times a day. They're, they're praying to their God, which is Satan. Let's be really honest there. They're pr and, and if the Christians are not doing more than they are, if God's not getting more glory and more, more prayer out there than they are, it's no wonder what's going on in the world. I'm going to be very blunt out here. How much does this country mean to you? I mean, this, this, is, this, is our, this is our country, and we need to change it. And it says here, it says, it says, pray at all times, on every occasion, every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To the end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And pray also for me, Paul said. Pray also for your pastors. He says, that I may open my mouth and proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in a coupling chain in prison. Pray that I may declare it boldly and courageously as I ought to do. Here he is in chains in prison preaching the gospel and he's saying, pray for me. Pray for me that what I have to say can get out of this prison and out into the, into the church. Hallelujah. I mean, he, we didn't have the internet back there. <laughs> Cell phones, what well, think of it? Here he is in prison. I mean, getting paper or parchment was, was hard enough. These people had to really want what God's word had to say. So they had to pray it through. Amen? Okay, baby. Okay. Um, so we, we must not be ignorant of Satan's ploys and devices in robbing or destroying our prayer life. Okay. Now turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 18. That's Matthew chapter 18. And we'll begin reading at verse 15. Matthew 18, verse, beginning with verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But... If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Verse 17. And it shall be, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verse 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever... Ye shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, Go ahead and read that. Um. 18 the Amplified. It makes it real clear. Okay, verse 18 in the Amplified. Truly I say unto you, whatsoever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven, and whatsoever you permit and declare 
proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Okay. That's simple. Okay, <laughs> verses 15 through 17 draws to a specific case. He's just, we're, we're just looking at this. There's, it's a specific case. But verses 18 through 20 gives us the principles for a principle foundation for prayer. So verses 18 to 20 gives us a principle for prayer. Um, the point is that the action on earth precedes the action in heaven. The action in heaven is governed by the action on earth. In other words, what we do here on earth when we pray is taken to heaven and done there. What we do on earth loose, loosen, it's loose up in heaven. So it has the word that we speak is moving heaven. Notice it's not heaven moving earth. It's earth moving heaven. It's upward. It's an upward. Did you see that? It's an upward uh, progression here. Whatever thing, uh, whatever the thing may be, whether it should be bound or loose, such such action of binding and loosening begins where? Where? Here. It begins with you. You, You're binding and you're loosening. It doesn't start up in heaven. Now, I want to go a little bit different on a different course. I want you to get that basic right now. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 36. Look at verse... 37. Ezekiel 36, verse 37. Thus says the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock from the Amplified. Thus says the Lord God, for this also I will let the house of Israel inquire of me. Inquire means to ask of me. To do it for them. So he's at, here God says, ask of me what, I, uh, what my desire is. Ask of me what my desire is. Okay? God has a purpose already determined. But he will not do it until it's asked of him by the individual, or as, as in this place, uh, Israel, or the church, or a believer. You got it? Now let's go to the book. Let's back up to the book of Isaiah. And I want to go to chapter 45. This is all on prayer. I'm, I'm believing that you'll catch this. It has to be caught. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, looking at verse 11. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, Ask of me things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, Command ye me. That's an amazing statement. Command me. God is telling you to command him to do something. I'm reading the Amplified. Okay, from the Amplified, verse 11. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and its maker. Would you question me about things to come concerning my children and concerning the work of my hands? Would you command me? It says, command me. God is saying, command him. This this simply means to command him what he desires to do. 
just like we found out in Ezekiel. He says, I have this, this program, but I want you to ask me or command me to do it. Uh, this is the ground that we should stand on. We should, uh, it is because we know God's will that we may say to him, God, we want you to do this thing, whatever it may be. We are determined that you do it. You cannot but do it. In other words, God, God says, here's a promise. I want you to command me to bring it forth. So when you find a promise in God's word, you can say, God, I want you to do this thing. You determined to do it because it's in your word. And you have to do it. That's, a God, that's God's command. Now, where in scripture can you find that? Today's what day? Pentecost. Go to Acts. I'm going to read a little bit further while no, you're no, going. I want, I, want, I want to hit this verse. Okay, because this is your next verse. Acts. Acts. Here we go. Acts chapter 1, looking at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of God, which he said, Ye, sh ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Okay. Verse 7. Jesus again is speaking. It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Verse 8. But ye shall receive the power. After that, ye shall, uh, that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and into Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Okay. What did Jesus do? He, he said, this is what I'm wanting. This is the promise I'm giving you. You following what I'm saying? Jesus said, this is what I want. This is the promise I'm giving. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were filled with one accord with, uh, in one place. And suddenly... Oh, is that the one? That's it. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a mighty rushing wind filled with the house of... Really amplified. I missed it someplace here. No, I think if you keep reading down in the Amplified, you'll get it. No, I'm, go back to chapter 1. I'm sorry. They returned to Jerusalem. This verse 12. They returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, from which uh, Jerusalem, a Sabbath day of journey. And when they were come to come in, they went up into the upper room, there abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, um, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, uh, Zelot, and Judas, the brother of James. And, these, they, and they, these all continued in one accord in what? Prayer. So what are they praying for? God, they are praying that what Jesus said to them, that promise, would come. Are they saying, Lord Jesus, would you please send this power on down? No, they're praying. You do this thing, Lord. You determined it. You have to do it. You gave us this promise. You have to do it. They prayed that way. To have, and what happened? It happened. It happened. So what I'm saying is, or what we're finding here is, that when you find one of God's promises, you can bring it right up to him and say, this is what you said th that would happen in my life. I'm believing for it. Bring it to pass. And it happened. 
But they were in one accord. They were in harmony and praying. That's why where it says two, when two or three gathered in my name, back in, in Matthew 18, when two of you, there's harmony there, you have the Holy Spirit there, it comes to pass. There's proof right there. something now okay go for it okay it talks about here also it says and when they in verse 13 when they entered the city they they mounted the stairs to the upper room where they were identified indefinitely staying Peter and John James Andrew Phil Bollies and these were their minds in full agreement devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer waiting together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, I want you to think about this. When um, our son was dying and they didn't give him any hope, the Lord showed me there are, there are three people that can pray that have the, strong, the strongest authority of praying. A mother of a, of a child, a mate, and their pastor. There's such authority in that, especially when it comes to a child, a mother. And here we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, is in this room, and his brothers. They knew him from the time, well, she did, from the time he was born his whole life. And so she watched him, and she knew him, and the power of God was so strong in that place with, with the disciples and the women that had ministered to him. They were ready. They had watched. They had seen. They were ready to receive. They believed what he said was true. Do you believe what he says is true? That's the one thing that God is asking when you enter into prayer. Do you believe what I said is true because if there's any doubt then you need to go back get the scripture that you're standing on and drag it with you <laughs> not drag it but pull it out there that scripture that pastor gave back here in um, Isaiah 45 in, in verse 14 it says Thus says the Lord, the labor and the wealth of the Egypt and the merchandise of Ethiopian and Sabians, men of statue, shall come over to you, and they shall be yours. They shall follow you in chains of subjection to you. They shall come over, and they shall fall down before you. They shall come they, before you. They shall make supplications to you, saying, Surely God is with you, and there is no other, no God beside you. Church, this is what we have got to believe in this last hour. If we want, I'm going to put it bluntly. If we want to get over here, get out of here, there are more people that God wants to be saved. And that's the truth. You know, Jesus doesn't even know when God's going to say that's enough. God knows. But part of the problem of the body of Christ is they're not getting souls saved. They might be getting them into church, but are they getting them saved? Are they getting them born again? And this is, that's a powerful thing. The other thing I wanted to share was in Isaiah 55, since we're there. Because you were talking about how, the, how you speak the word up to God. And so... Fifty-five... Verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord, but the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and return not there again, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void." without producing any effect useless, 
but it shall accomplish the thing which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper for the thing I sent it. We have to speak that word up to him so it can take place here on the earth. We can't keep our mouth shut. We have got to take the word and speak to him with authority. He already knows it. He knows what the word says. And the minute he hears believers speaking it in faith and authority, it's going to take place. We are not the wimps of the world. We are the body of Christ. Amen. There you go. Okay. So you see there, there's power here. I want to, want to run back to Isaiah, uh, pardon me, Ezekiel chapter 36 one more time. And this time we're going to read the whole verse. I just stop. That's it. Where Ezekiel is it? 36, chapter 36. Looking at verse 37. Thus says the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired or asked of by the house of Israel to do it for them. To do what for them? I will increase them with men like a flock. Go on. From the ampli- uh, the, like, um, I've increased their men like a flock. Okay. Well, it says, like a flock of holy things for a sacrifice. He's going to re- increase, increase them like a flock of holy things. It's wild. Okay. I want you to do me a favor here. It says he's going to increase them like a flock. You have to ask. We have to ask. There's more than what? Two here? So every chair, every chair in this place should be filled. Do you agree? Okay. God, we want you to do this thing. We are determined that you're going to do it. You will increase this flock. In the name of Jesus. Now you just, from now on, you just start, start to thank him for it. But you got to bring it up to him. If they did it for Pentecost, we can do it for Pentecost too. All right. Okay. We need to ask. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I uh, use that with the book of Acts, chapter 7. Pardon me, Acts, chapter 6. Acts, chapter 6, looking at verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied. We need to multiply. We want to fill this house, every chair. That means rapid church growth. Amen. And how am I going to back that one up? Let's go to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We're, we're talking about God saying something and that we are to follow through or speak it forth. Amen? It's Colossians chapter 2. Verse 19. And we're going to look at the very end of it. That's Colossians 2, 19. Part B or part C. Increase with increase of God. Increase with the increase of God. So you might, we might say, fill this house up. And what does God say? Whatsoever you ask, he'll do that or will he do more? He'll increase it above that what you ask or think. Again, just put it there. That's how God increases, by his will. We're doing it by his will. He doesn't want to see us go down, he wants us to go up. Okay. 
Again, we need to ask God to open our eyes to the possibilities of prayer. When you pray, ask God, okay, what, what, what are the possibilities? When I pray, what are the possibilities that can take place? God desires to do it. He waits for our prayers. Then it will be done. You find a promise in God's word. He says, I'm just waiting for you to inquire of me or command me, like it said, command me to do these things. Lord, your word says it. I'm believing it. You can do it. This is what your word says. I'm just putting emphasis to it. Today, the believer stands on earth for the will of God. Amen? When we are not in agreement with God, we restrict God. When we're not in agreement with God, we restrict God. Why? Why is that? If you go back to Genesis, you find out that God gave the earth to man on a lease, lease basis. And he can't do anything about it until the lease runs out. And glory to God, it's about there. Amen. But up at that time, we are the ones that dictate what takes place here on earth. So we got to find out what he wants and speak it forth on this earth to bring it to come to pass. We need to find people that will agree with this, not say, you know, why well, I, I agree, but I disagree. You can't find a person like that. You got to find a person that totally agrees with you when you pray. You know, I'm going to share something, can I? It's going to be really quick. The Lord was showing me Abraham and Lot. And Abraham went to Lot and he said, listen, there's too many of us and there's strife. We all know what strife is. Brings every even work. And he said, so we need to separate. We need to separate right now. Because Abraham saw, I truly believe in the spirit realm, that he couldn't go any further as long as this strife was attached to him. Number one, he had been disobedient to bring Saul, bring Job, Lot with him, he, and and yet here comes Lot's men, and they're 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 nothing but trouble, and Abraham's are walking with God, they see the blessings of God, and you see the opposite over here, and so he came and he said, "Listen, we need to separate right now," and he was gracious. He said, "You choose." Now, if Abraham had gone to Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have followed God. I know it. But because there was strife in Lot's camp, he went the other way. And so, we have been placed on this earth to make a change. That's what we're here for, to make a change. People, I heard, I heard a doctor on the radio yesterday talking about, a nutritionist talking about, I have not, never seen so many people weary and worn out in my life, even in their early 20s. This guy wasn't even a Christian. Even in their early 20s. That is what is happening in America because there is a lack of prayer. There's strife discord, every evil work going on because of a lack of prayer. I sat there and I listened up to this because I thought, I've heard Christians saying this very same thing. And, yet, and the world is saying it also. But I want you to think about that. Abraham had to get rid of his relative because of the strife and discord that were there. There might be some things that you've got to get rid of that are causing strife, discords, and roots of bitterness now, immediately, out of your life. Immediately. Hallelujah. So I, I, God was just showing me that as I was sitting here in his presence. Usually when I close my eyes, I'm praying or just listening. I want you to know I'm not going to sleep up here, in case you've all wondered. Go ahead, sweetie. Okay. 
Again, oops. Again, we need to see that all the things which God does on earth today, he first gets the church or believers to stand with him. Mm-hmm. Then he will do the work through them. We cannot increase God's power, but we can hinder it. What a responsibility the church, the believer has. The highest use, benefit, achievement, or action of a believer is to allow God, his will, to be done on earth. In other words, we find, to find out what God's will is, we need to pray, that, pray it in. The strength, of, uh, the strength of a prayer, according to Matthew 18, 19, if two of you agree, there is harmony. Harmony with the Holy Ghost. The church should pray big prayers and make big requests. How can we come before God of abundance with small prayers? To come before God, or to come before a great God is to expect great things to happen. It is God who desires to do great things. He needs vessels through which he may do all his works. It's up to us today to yield to his will. Amen. Do you have anything else? Well, I, um, I know that this church is a word church, and you're fat on the word. But I also know you're very thin in prayer. You can't be fat on the word and thin in prayer and expect things to take place. It's not going to happen. People are nodding. I want you to really think and ask yourself, how much time a day do I spend in prayer? And how much time a day do I spend maybe hearing the word or reading the word? It's got to be a balance. Really, give God 10% of your day. Say, well, I can't. I work. I have a family. Yeah, you can. Some, some morning, some nights, I stay up until 5 in the morning. I know that's probably like, whoa, what are we? Some, some mornings I do. Because I've got to get my time in. He knows what I'm doing. The first thing I do when I climb in the bed, pull out my Bible, get the Bible out, do my confessions, spend my time with God. There's always time to sleep. Amen. I know some of you might be thinking, well, she doesn't work the hard labor that I do. Believe it or not, they say one hour of preaching is like eight hours of manual labor or one hour under the anointing. It's a different, it's a whole different, whole different thing. Trust me. We will see this turn around if we can all come together. When you leave this place today, remember Abraham and remember Lot. All those men, all of them knew about God. All, everyone that was, every family that was with Abraham knew about God, but only really three people made it out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the three that did were a mess. Lot and his two kids. Isn't that sad out of all the people that knew God? And they say the sin of that city was pride. Well, if you look at the root word pride, then you're going to see strife and you're going to see. And what was the thing that Abraham said to Lot? There is strife between us, our men. We need to separate. Am I right? And unfortunately, they just took their strife right on in with them and their pride. Hallelujah. I, to me, I, I stay away from strife at any cost because the Bible says where there's strife, there's every evil work. 
remember standing at our, my sink, and I've shared this before in, in Watsonville. God used to talk to me when I do dishes, and I could look out at things, and he said, you know, you've got to stay out of strife because every time you get in strife, every demonic spirit has the opportunity to be on the scene. That was, gee whiz, 40 years ago. So stay out of it. Usually if you can't have a prayer life, there's strife some way. There's strife or a root of bitterness somewhere in your life that's holding you down. Communion. Okay, that's... That's part two of prayer. I don't know what part three will bring up. <laughs>